Okay, it's good to see each of you here today. Um, we're actually beginning a new series today um, that's simply titled Pray. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, Strengthened with Power. And so we want to talk about learning to pray with power and with passion in a way that would we would grow in our intimacy with God. Now, do you believe absolutely in the power of prayer? If you do, let me see your hand. Everybody believes absolutely in the power of prayer. Okay. Um, do you pray as much as you should? Now, you don't have to raise your hand on this one. I don't want to uh, convict anybody yet. Okay. Uh, okay, so most of us do not. And so, you know, why is it that we know uh, that we have a good God who answers the prayers of his children, and yet uh, so many of us don't pray as we know we should? Now, some people don't know how to pray. That's obvious. Other people actually get bored while praying. Now, you may cringe when you hear me say that. How do people get bored while they're praying? Uh, but uh, I hate to admit this in public as a pastor, uh, but I have been known to fall asleep while praying. Not in a service, you know, not in a public service, okay? Uh, so don't keep watching, thinking, <laughs> hoping maybe... I'm going to fall asleep while I'm praying in a service. It usually happens at night. You know, the body's tired, and you know how it is. Um, I, actually, I'm going to ask you another question, and I will put you on. How many of you, like me, have fallen asleep while you're praying? Okay, I see all those hands. God bless you. Um, thank you. Let me tell you, you can be set free like me, in the name of Jesus. Okay, a little lighthearted there. Uh, but <clears throat> seriously, how insulting is that to God? When we start out praying, I kind of like what Rick Warren says. Um, he says, if you go to sleep while you're praying, he says, chances are, you know, your thoughts are along that line while you're sleeping. And when you wake up in the morning, and you wake up in the spirit of the prayer, it all counts. I like that. I like to think that's the way it works. But, I, but seriously, I think that God's probably a little disappointed in us uh, when we can't focus. It's kind of like Jesus and the disciples uh, right before he was arrested. Um, he actually reprimanded them because they were not able to stay awake uh, long enough to pray. And so... Uh, you see, I, I can be kind of like an ADD prayer guy. Uh, I have great intentions. You know, I'll start out uh, praying to God, dear God, I'm praying for a miracle, and then miracle, miracle whip. I like sandwiches. <laughs> and so, you know, you know, that's ADD. You know, the mind goes off in another direction. So and then I have to ask my question, myself the question when that sort of thing happens, how, how do I lose focus in one sentence? You know, but it just seems to happen. 
Well, you know, uh, every once in a while we do a prayer circle, and um, uh, we do that specifically when we have a real serious issue uh, going on in the church, somebody that's close to our church family. And so at the end of the service, I've asked people to circle up around the auditorium. And I know this makes our guests uncomfortable, and I'm sorry for that. I probably have run off some guests saying, I don't know what's going to happen in that place. I don't think I'm going to go back again. Uh, but we circle up and we hold hands, and uh, we pray very uh, intensively for whatever the issue uh, might be. Well, it never fails. I, I get between uh, two different, two totally different kinds uh, of, of people, uh, and so I'm always unequally yoked with my prayer hand holders, okay? You know, I always seem to get like a hard squeeze prayer guy on the one side. You know what I mean? Hard squeeze. It's like shaking hands at the door. You know, this is the guy that grips you, and it's like, uncle, you know. Uh, so I, I, I've got one of those on the other side, and then I've got the dead fish hand on the other side. And so, you know, you want to wake up, you know. Uh, you know, is this thing really alive? You know, I, I wish it'd be either hot or cold because it's neither one. I'm going to cut it off. Um, I'm sorry. I got carried away. Um, I'm just venting. Uh, but sometimes we get intimidated when someone really prays good or they, they really pray well. Um, many of you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of like if you're in your small group or whatever, and there's this guy that you think, well, he must be Moses' little brother. Um, he's quoting scripture like, Dear God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you said in Deuteronomy chapter 28 that we're blessed coming in and blessed going out. We're the head, not the tail. He's calling down angels and binding demons and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, wow, man, that's good. Uh, I'm thinking if... If I were God, I'd answer that prayer because it's just so good. And you don't ever want to be competitive, but when it comes to prayer, um, you're, you're thinking, oh, well, you know, I can't let this guy outpray me. So, God, you said in your word, you are Jehovah Nisan. <laughs> and God, you're so good. God, you're good to the last drop. Thank you, God. You're like a good neighbor. You'll always be there. I love your word, Lord. Your word is so good it melts in your mouth and not in your hands. I thank you for the blood which is thicker than water. So you try your very best to stay in this prayer game, you know, but yet, deep down, you know, it's a facade, and you feel real empty and inadequate in your prayer life. Well, over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about prayer. And uh, my prayer is that God will do a work in us to teach us and move us to pray with power and with passion. Now, one of the the major prayer mistakes that we make in our prayers is the fact that they're often too small. We don't really ask for much. 
Um, another mistake we make is that our prayers are often too general. They're not specific. You know, we're not targeting something specifically. And I think, you know, God must certainly be frustrated uh, with the lack of faith that many of us exhibit in our prayers. God, thank you for this day. I pray that you bless me or bless so-and-so. And so I, sometimes I wonder if God isn't going, have you looked where you live? In the part of the world you're in? You're already blessed. But I'm happy to do it. Or we're like, God, just be with us today. And God's like, I told you, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And you're asking for something I gave you already. God, give us traveling mercies as we go today. And God's like, okay, that's easy. Give me something big. I think God wants us to give him something big. In other words, I wonder if God doesn't ever say, ask me for something that will help show off my glory to the world when I answer it. Why is it that we're constantly undercutting the power of God who said, with thee all things are possible? I wonder if the lack of specifics and the small breath of possibilities ever insults the heart of our God. I could do so much more if you would just have faith to ask me so. Pray big and specific prayers because general prayers do not move God to a specific action. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says that we do not have because we do not ask. We need to begin praying big, faith-filled, specific, and passionate prayers. Martin Luther, known as the father of the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, had a friend, an assistant, in, in his Reformation named uh, Friedrich Myconius. In 1540, Myconius fell deathly ill was on his deathbed. He actually wrote a farewell letter to Luther saying, the end is near, I love you. Luther wouldn't stand for that. And instead of praying this safe little prayer that we might pray if we were at the bedside of someone in the hospital about to pass away, may the Lord be with you and comfort you. Instead, he prayed a massive, specific, faith-filled prayer and, and then in turn writing In a letter back to Myconius, I command you in the name of God uh, to live because I still need you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Now that is a big specific prayer. Myconius had already lost the ability to speak, and he was evidently hours from death. But when he heard this letter, it engaged his faith, and the guy was, well, the only way I can explain it, supernaturally healed. 
He lived six more years and did not eventually die until two months following Luther's death. Now, that's how specific the response was to a specific and faith-filled prayer by a man who had a faith big enough to believe that all things are possible with God. Over the next four weeks, we are going to consider four prayers. Four prayers that were prayed by the Apostle Paul. So this week we're going to only look at one. So let's look at one of Paul's prayers. Now Paul uh, was formerly known as Saul before his conversion. He persecuted Christians He hated Christians, but he met the grace of Jesus. He was transformed, converted, and began planning and establishing new churches around the Mediterranean Sea. Paul wrote the largest portion of the New Testament books. The first prayer that we are going to look at in this series is found in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul wrote this prayer around the year 60 A.D., which was about 30 years after Jesus was crucified. He wrote it from a a Roman prison addressed to the church, that is the Christians, in Ephesus. And so we're going to begin reading with verse 14, Ephesians 3, verse 14. So Paul writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Okay, we're named after God because we're God's children. Your children bear your name because they're your children. Now, when you pray, it's important to know that you can pray in any posture you feel comfortable praying. Um, You can pray standing. You can pray sitting, you can pray lying down, or even while you're driving. Now, if you pray while you're driving, you need to do what Jesus said, and that is watch and pray. You don't want to drive with your eyes closed. Uh, what's, what's interesting for me is that um, the, the common method of prayer for the Jew in Paul's day was to pray standing with palms lifted up. That was a common method in his day. But in this passage, and another option for us is that we can pray while we're kneeling. In our text, Paul decided to kneel in his prayer before God. And I would encourage you to vary your posture. Okay, don't always pray in the same posture. Now, based on your intent, your intentions, your heart, and your need for prayer, I think from there you can choose a posture. Now, for example, if you feel like you want to give God due reverence and be worshipful, you may choose to kneel before God, as Paul did, because it is an expression of weakness, uh, and you are acknowledging his strength uh, when you kneel. Okay, picking up with verse 16 through the first part of 17, I pray that out of his glorious riches, 
he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now I want you to look at those first, those first words. I pray that out of God's glorious riches. Paul is praying to a glorious rich God. And when we pray, we also, we're praying to the same God. So we're praying to a glorious rich God. Paul is recognizing that his heavenly Father has every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms that are available to his children. Actually, earlier Paul had said, this is in the first chapter of Ephesians, verse 3, he makes this major statement. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We are praying to the God uh, who has already made available to us every possible spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now, that's big. That's huge. In Philippians chapter 4, another letter of Paul, um, he wrote verse 19, And my God will meet all your needs, not all your wants, all your needs, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, once again, this points out what a resource God is. And, and that's why we pray. Uh, we speak to him because he is the resource, and we're praying to him because we are, are seeking his resources for whatever. But it's his resources. We serve an infinitely, spiritually rich, heavenly Father, and yet so many of us are living like spiritually impoverished children. We serve a God who has every spiritual blessing available to us, and he des desires to give those blessings to us, but here we are praying these small, general prayers. Picking up in Ephesians chapter 3, the latter part of verse 17 through verse 19, and you'll notice I've, I've highlighted some words and I've underscored some words. This is my change in the text, not in the scripture. And I pray, okay, this is Paul. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. And listen, you're a saint. If you're a Christian, you're a saint. There's a religious group that teaches you have to do more than God requires for salvation in order to qualify for sainthood, but that's a bunch of baloney. It's not Bible. Um, in the Bible, Christians are saints. Um, we are cleansed by the blood of Christ. It makes us perfect. It makes us complete. Okay, so together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, 
this wide, long, high, deep love of Jesus Christ to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Some translations say understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. In other words, that you may be filled. Here's the purpose of it. This is why it exists. That you may be filled with, to the measure of all the fullness of God. God has intended for you the whole thing. It's all for you. It's all for me. He wants us to enjoy it all. Now, the purpose of Paul's prayer was so that we might be strengthened with power. You notice I highlighted the word power uh, in the first part of verse 18 there. Now, this is not some latent power um, that each of us has deep inside of ourselves that we just ne- have never tapped into. Uh, but, you know, we have, we, have this, we have this power within us. It is a power... Uh, It's a unique power through his spirit coming in to your life, to your inner being. Now, the Greek word translated here is dunamis, uh, from which we get our word dynamite. So this power is explosive. It is a miraculous power of God, much greater than human power. Now, You know, we are awed and we are scared uh, by nuclear power and the ability, especially the usage of that uh, in making war. That scares the human race. But God's power is greater than that. And it's power that is available to us. Now, if you're a wise person, uh, you, you might periodically assess your needs. You might say, well, I'm doing pretty good in this area of my life. I'm doing okay in that area of my life. But, uh, you know, where where do I need help? And so you might assess that you have a need to improve in the area of discipline. Uh, You might need to improve in the area of patience uh, or anger, uh, gratitude. If you're a parent, you might say, hey, I need help uh, with parenting um, mine is I need God's power in preaching. I don't need to preach on my own power. I, I need his power. Uh, we all need the power of God to overcome the temptation uh, to sin along with the power to stand against spiritual opposition, which we will run into uh, we need more power than, than what we naturally have internally. <clears throat> more than what we have within ourselves. We need the dynamite of God. A young couple bought their first house. It wasn't that many years ago. But it was an old house built 1910. It was all they could afford. They had just recently gotten married. So you, most of you have been there. You know how it is. In the early years, you struggle. Well, they were struggling. They were broke. They were living on love. If something broke in the house, they couldn't afford to fix it, uh, so they just left it broken. Well, the disposal was broken when they moved in. Several years, you know, they'd they'd worked and 
and were doing better financially. And so they were, they were going to buy another house. And so uh, they, they got ready to sell this house. So the realtor asked if there was anything that needed to be disclosed about the house that was broken, you know, to a prospective buyer. Uh, yes, the disposal. So she was checking out the kitchen. She opened the cabinet doors, and she noticed this little key. It's kind of like L-shaped, flat piece of metal. And uh, she asked, you know, have you ever seen this little tool that's laying there? And, uh, well, yeah, they'd seen it, but they didn't know what it was for. Well, she inserted it into the disposal, and it came to life uh, humming like a brand new one. So all the time, the power was there, but it remained dormant. And so there's power available to you and to me through the Holy Spirit out of the glorious riches of God, Paul says, if you will call on it, if you will ask God for that power. If I want my roots planted in anything, I want my roots, the roots of my life, to be planted in the love of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, being rooted in the love of Jesus gives us access to this dynamite power of God. And that helps me grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Jesus. We need to fully compre comprehend how much he loves us because it actually surpasses knowledge. So that's not a small thing to understand it. All of this so that you might be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God, the total fullness of God he wants in you. Because God's love surpasses human knowledge and understanding, as a parent, one of your most important prayers that you can pray for your children is that God would give them the power to understand how much he loves them and that they are not sucked into the temptation of living for the world's approval, but stand strong in the, the approval of God, which they already have. Spouses, one of the best things you can pray uh, for your spouse is that they would have the power to understand how much God loves them, that they will be drawn intimately into a loving relationship with God and be totally transformed because of this knowledge of God's love that transcends understanding and approval. Because, you see, the fact is, God loves everyone. Love is not what God does. Love is not who God is. God is love. I mean, excuse me, love is who God is. Uh, God is love. God is the essence of our God. I don't know how else to define it. Uh, when you recognize that that's who he is, then you stand in the strength of there's nothing I can do to cause him to love me more 
and there's nothing I can do to cause him to love me less. He doesn't love me because of what I do. He loves me because of who he is. Now, we're really good about conditional love. But God's into unconditional love. When we grasp this concept, then all of a sudden Christianity becomes more than something that we do on Sundays. Finally, we realize that Christian is the essence of who I am called to be. That is Christ-like, a Christ follower. I have power that dwells within me because Jesus lives in my inner being. I'm not living anymore for the lower things of this world. And there's all kinds of things that we live for today that are, are not Jesus, not God, not anything related to him. Oh, you know, we, we like our good-paying job, you know. We like our comfortable lifestyle. We like our nice house, our nice cars, and, and, and you know, our involvement in all kinds of sport. We like all of this. And, and this begins to describe us because we are so enveloped uh, in, in all of these things. But I'm not living anymore for the lower things of this world. I'm now drawn to the things that have eternal significance. You see, all those things are going to pass away. They're going to be gone. And, you know, in the end, we're going to realize, hey, we've invested all this time and all this money on these things that amount to nothing. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to realize that now, not later. I'm praying that many of you would really have a deeper and more meaningful spiritual encounter with our holy God. Now, by that, I mean more than just singing a song here in the service. I mean a dwelling in the presence of God. I'm talking that you're hearing his voice. Uh, his spirit is guiding you. When you read his word, may the words jump off the page, giving you encouragement, convicting you away from your sins, and leading you to the right kinds of places. What I'm talking about is having the faith to do things that would seem totally impossible otherwise. The, the same spirit, now this is big, this is huge. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead takes up residency inside of you. You have that spirit inside. Raise the dead. Have you ever thought about that? Something that is lifeless becomes alive. That's power. That's power. That spirit takes up residency in you. Your identity is not based on what you have or what you do, but it's based on what God thinks about you, how valuable you are to him. And the Bible reveals supernaturally, and by that I mean through uh, it's revelation, a deep assurance of God's love, which is based on your value to him. He created you. 
He created you in his own image, after his own likeness. When you fully make this discovery, you will never be the same, and your prayers will never be the same. They won't be trite. They will be bold. You won't pray, and I know a lot of you have prayed this prayer. God, keep my kids safe today and keep them off drugs. I'm going to guess a lot of parents have prayed those prayers. No. God, raise up my children to be spiritual leaders in their school. May they stand out for the glory of Jesus. I pray that they would be bold in their faith and that they would be leaders in their faith. Now that means you're praying big, specific prayers for your children. And so you're not praying, God, help me pay the bills this month. No. God, you promised that I would never beg for bread, that you would be blessing me as I come in and go out, that you are going to provide for all my needs according to your riches in glory. That's more like, that's big, that's specific. You're not going to be praying, God, I pray for my husband who's a jerk. And some of you ladies have prayed that prayer. Make him less of a jerk if you can. <laughs> you know, some, some men almost seem impossible. Um, no. Here's how you'll pray. God, touch the heart of my husband. I pray that he would bow his knees in full surrender to your son Jesus and that he would stand up a fully devoted follower of Jesus a man after your heart, and that our family would be different because he leads us to the things of God and he is close to Jesus, hearing from his word and that future generations will be different because my husband fully belongs to you. That is a powerful, specific prayer. Cast aside your small, general, impotent prayers. Now listen to the final words of Paul's prayer. He says, this is in chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I mean, God's able to do more than you can even dream. According to his power, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, because of God's possibilities, because of his potential, because of his power, pray big, specific prayers. All things are possible with him. Tap into the power that God has for you. Whatever you can dream, God can do even more. Our prayers tap into his potential. Let his power be at work within you. But listen, the choice is yours. You can pray big, you can choose to pray big, or you can choose to pray small. You make the choice. Let Paul's prayer 
be answered in your life. Now, obviously there are probably people here today who are not Christians, who have not committed themselves to Jesus Christ, not made him Lord, Savior of their lives. Invitation is surely open for you to come and accept him. There are, are yet, I don't know how many people, but surely there are a number in our audience who are, uh, who are committed to Christ to some level, and yet you've been praying small, trite, powerless prayers. And so there needs to be a change in your life. You need to ramp up your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want us to pray with you, we would be glad to do that. If, if you're struggling in any area, we would be ha- more than happy to pray with you. Won't you come as we stand and sing together?